Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I'm your host. It is the September 22nd, 2018 edition. Joining me today is Adam Vitali. Hey. Hello. Me. Yes. <laughs> so it's the two-person crew once more. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... Um, in Tokyo Game Show 2018 is happening this week. Press days are over. General public's now been invited in, so I assume it's kind of really insane over there. Uh, we've been covering a lot of that show, though, for the site. Plenty of stuff to to get excited about, don't you agree? Yeah. yeah. So it's um, we'll get lots of the, those news pieces uh, later on. Uh, we kind of cherry-picked a few that we felt was worth a good discussion on. Um, but for now, before we get into that part of it, we always like to talk about the games that we've been playing. So, Adam, of course, uh, you kind of went a little bit into this last week, I believe. I could be mistaken. Actually, I think you were under embargo, so maybe we didn't actually talk about no, it. No, I don't think I did. <laughs> no, we didn't. Uh, but you covered Metal Max Xeno. Now, of course, Metal Max is a series that's been around since the Super Famicom days. Unfortunately, we never really got any of the proper mainline titles. We did get Metal Saga, which is kind of a uh, part of the same part of the same IP, but not quite what you'd expect it to be. So, just talk to us a little about what your thoughts were on Metal Max Xeno. Yeah. So, Metal Max, like you said, it's been around a while. So. Yeah. It's just an unknown property in the West, mainly because it's very rarely been localized. Um, now, Metal Saga—it's kind of kind of weird, and I'm not sure if I have this 100% correct, hmm. but it's part of the same series. Like, even though it has a different name, and the main reason why it has a different name is because of licensing, like trademark issues yeah. in Japan. Actually, it's not even like a localization thing. It was actually like they couldn't call it Metal Max in japan because it was for some other company got the name um so they called it metal saga instead but as far as i understand it it, metal saga does have a slightly different structure anyway so it is sort of a spin-off even though it's considered part of the same series now i haven't played i played metal saga which was the only one that was localized that's that was a 2006 game Mm -hmm. on playstation 2 localized by atlas usa at the time yeah and I played that one, but I haven't played any uh, Japanese-only games. So yeah. let me just let me start with Metal Saga. Actually, um, I think I talked about this a couple podcasts ago when I played through it. Yeah, you did um, a little bit. I did. Yeah, but just to just to kind of reiterate, Metal Saga is a very open-ended RPG. It's a type of game where when you leave your first town area at the beginning of the game, you can basically go anywhere you want and do whatever you want. Um, obviously if you go the wrong direction, um, it's going to be really, really challenging, but you can do that if you want. Um, and there are really no cutscenes in the game. It's not really story driven and how it works is just mainly, it's very minimalist in its narrative in that you learn kind of what goes going on, the history of the world. And there is this kind of an underlying storyline to things but you get it through like NPC interactions. So it's this kind of low lying story that's just kind of underneath everything, but it's not at the forefront of the game. Um, So it's very open-ended, very minimalist story. You can kind of do whatever you want. Um, Very, very free form in that sense. Um, Metal Max Xeno is not that kind of at all, actually. (laughs) No. Um, So (laughs) that's basically my segue. Um, Metal Max Xeno is uh, made by Cattle Call. Uh, who is a Japanese developer? They've made a couple of games, like they made a uh, um, the Legend of Legacy and 
uh, some of those games as well. They they do various they do work for various publishers. Um, now, this game is and, and it was published by Katakawa in Japan. It's a similar storyline to Metal X or Metal Saga, excuse me, which I assume all the games have a similar storyline in that the world is a post-apocalyptic. Um, it's been just the quick premise. There is this supercomputer named Noah. And um, basically, and tell me if you've heard this before, Noah decided that for the, uh, for, to ensure the survival of the world, they had to, to eliminate the humans, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So they, because humans are a parasite or whatever. Uh, I mean, you've yeah. heard it before. Yeah. Um, so they, the supercomputer basically makes a bunch of metal monsters, like machines that roam this world and are, it's at this point in the storyline. And when you start the game, it's, they're basically trying to seek out what remnants of humans are left and kill them all, basically. Um, you open the game as a character named Talus, who's, uh, whose town and his mom is murdered by these machines. So his basically his driving force behind his motivations and everything is he's just going to kill them all because they killed his mother. It reminded me a lot of Attack on Titan. If you've yeah, seen that. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like uh, it. Uh, so you meet other characters at like a base. I actually forget what the base is called off the top of my head here. And it's basically like the last bastion of humanity. And there's just a few humans there, like five. Uh, that like this is as far as we know, we might be the last humans remaining. Um, and basically, you join up with them, and they give you you get a ta- you have a tank. They have you find more tanks as you go. And basically, the 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 rest of the game is you're going from like ruined settlement to ruined settlement across this wasteland, which is called Dis Tokyo. And nice. yes, it was Tokyo, T O K I O, and then it is now called this Tokyo. Of course, um, for some reason they decided to name it that. Like dystopia. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, you basically go along this world map to from ruined settlement to ruined settlement, and you find a couple of new characters along the way that you recruit. You find some tanks, um, and that's basically. Like in terms of the main storyline, like this, the the driving narrative of things, that's kind of it. It doesn't really change from that. Mm. Um, it's yeah. It's so in in one sense, it's sort of a same minimalistic story as Metal Saga, but it's it's a little bit more straightforward. Metal Saga, there's it's kind of low line, and you sort of kind of have to find it. Like in terms of um, where which cities you go to and which NPCs you talk to, but here it's just it's just kind of this straight shot. You're you're traveling along the wasteland. Finding what humans you can, and killing what monsters you can—that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah, it now definitely felt like a budget game from everything you yeah, talked about. Yeah, it's it. I know people say this, and but this time I sort of mean it. While it is an HD game, it does feel like a PS2 game at times uh, in terms of things like character model animations and things like that. It's very janky in terms of like how characters move on the field and in cutscenes and things like that. Where, you know, like, imagine a PlayStation 2 cutscene, not like an FMV, but just like an in-game cutscene where you have, like, a character model walk up. They sort of have some sort of canned animation as they talk. And then when they rotate, they kind of rotate robotically, you know. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. just, it, it's just, it's very, you can tell it's a budget game. So don't expect high production values from this. Um, there's even, like, a moment when, like, the, 
the character like collapses out of exhaustion and it just looks really awkward how he's just like standing up one moment and then like just the next moment he's on the floor like there's like there's like no animation to do that he just kind of just kind of shifts from one model to another or whatever um yeah very low budget um there's no cutscenes to speak of um Speaking of the story, one thing that is kind of weird about it, um, and I mentioned this in my review, there's a character you meet named Tony. And when you meet her, as far as you know, she's the last woman there is. Um, and the character is basically, she basically says, thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to go with you because I want to help you. And some of the characters tell her, no, you can't do that. Well, why not? <laughs> because you're the last woman. And you know what that means. Let's protect you. We need you, yeah, <laughs> to have our offspring. And she's like, "So you want me to have sex with one of you?" Uh, and they're like, "Well, yeah, of course." That's I what mean. I mean. Now, like, that's not inherently in- like that. That is sensible inherently. Like, well, I guess you know that's true. But the way they approach this is really awkward, and to the point where it's like the only thing that this, this conversation contribute or does this character and the conversations around her contribute to the game. Like every time there's a scene that folk that she's like a part of, it's like, they always have to mention, Hey, did you decide who you're going to have sex with yet? Um, hey, you're just talking to her because you want to have sex. You know, you just want to have sex. And it's just like, it's leaning too it, heavily. Into, it's, yeah. It's, and it's really like stale and like, like the animations and the rest of the game, just kind of robotic and clumsy. And it's, it's like not even like titillating in any way. It's just kind of like boring. It's, and, that, and that's all she contributes. Like it's, so it's just kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah, and it, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's made worse by the fact that Talus the main character who is of course the character she falls with like she he doesn't even care about her he's just like i want to kill the monsters because that's all i care about Mm. um so it's like the the characters don't even have like personalities to have like any of this work it's just it's just really bland in a way uh and just kind of and it's it makes a considerable percentage of the dialogue in the game kind of revolves around this just yeah it doesn't seem like it really fits that well because I mean, there's plenty of ways that games like that in the past that have got into like, we need to procreate in order to help the human race survive. Mm -hmm. Like they could have approached it in a much better way than it did before. It sounds like um, just based on what you're talking about, because it's not so much that, I mean, there's definitely, like I said, there's definitely examples where that has worked in the past. A lot of it comes down to, yes, dialogue and whatnot. I mean, there's also ways that, you know, it's like, well, we need to, uh, work together by you know getting to know each other a lot better you know like the the only thing i can really think of is maybe like the artinelico series and that uh, at first glance it's just like a lot of like innuendo and stuff like that that can that really plays on it and then once you get into diving into uh, these girls which is uh something else that they play off of like uh, the dialogue is way better the story gets way better and everything becomes a lot more interesting but it sounds like based on this it's just that you know she's just uh an object that they need to use like it's yeah, she's a tool basically. which is not you know that's that doesn't make for interesting storytelling <laughs> like there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it and it sounds like yeah. they did it that way yeah, another reviewer of the game for another site actually kind of mentioned, like, the characters in this game only care about two things, killing monsters or having sex. And it's like, <laughs> one or the other. Um, and there's, like, no in-between literally at all. I know. Like, that is it. We're all, like, cavemen um, or something like that. <laughs> That's, <it's> yes. Like, <laughs> okay, now, the actual, as for the actual game itself, 
Uh, I mentioned that it's not like Metal Saga, that it's not open-ended, it's not free-form. And it, this game, even though like when you go out on the wasteland, you have a somewhat of an open map to explore, yeah, it's still like basically just a one-way path that you have to go down, like no matter what. Like there's no non-linearity here. You kind of have to go along this path from one settlement to the next to the next. There's one point in the game where there's this very small branch where you can go to A or B first, but then you have to go to the other one. And it's just like it it's like barely a branch. Um it's just a very linear game. Like you really doesn't require much exploration at all. And on top of that, and I mentioned this in my review as well, when you get out onto the wasteland map, like the world map in your tanks, um, all the treasure chests that you can find out there are glowing. They're like pinging on your world map as glowing squares. Like, and what this sort of, what this effectively does is that you don't even have to explore anything. You just, look at your mini map, just stare at it and like, okay, where's the nearest square? That one, just be straight line to that square. Then where's the next square? Just be line to that square to the next one, to the next one. And wow. it becomes a game of connect the dots. Like you don't have to do any exploring because your mini map just shows you where, where everything is already. And it's not even like, it's not incredibly dense. It's not like a, an Ubisoft game where there's like markers all over the place and you kind of have to choose which ones you want to do. It's just, it's kind of just like these scattered dots that you just go from one to the next to the next to the next, and that's like all you do in the wasteland in terms of exploring it. Wow. So yeah. So and it's just kind of dull. Now, in terms of combat, this is actually where the game does shine a little bit. So there are two modes to combat in Metal Max, and this is the same for Metal Saga. You do a lot of it in a tank. Now tanks do not level up; they don't have EXP uh, or anything like that. How they work is you basically have a chassis, like your tank build. They have an engine, and then they have weapons. And as you progress through the game, you find a few of these. Uh, you find some pieces uh, in, these, in those chests I mentioned. Sometimes enemies drop pieces or parts um, for these tanks. And you can basically power up your tank by equipping new pieces on it. Like getting a new chassis can uh, allow you to have more cannons on it, which allows you to do more damage. Or sometimes you can get better engines that give you more health. Uh, you can tweak the tanks in terms of making them lighter, uh, which makes you more, which makes you faster in battle, but lowers your defense, or vice versa. Um, and there's a variety of different weapons you can use, from cannons to special uh, like rocket launchers to uh, to things like that. And there's also a bunch of different elements you have to you have to uh, be aware of, like beam weapons or fire weapons or ice weapons. Okay, so, so yeah. What I'm getting at is that there's a fair amount of customization there. Um, it's not like it's probably it's not it's not as in- intricate as you might imagine, but it's still like you know there's there's a fair amount of you know flexibility there in what you can do and how you build your party. So that's like okay, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Now, um, when you leave your tank, there when you when you're exploring along the wasteline or the wasteland. There are a couple of ruins that you have to get out of your tanks and go out on, on foot because your tanks don't fit. This is also very similar to Metal Saga. Yeah. And so in these areas, you do use your party just like a very traditional turn-based JRPG. Your, your party characters do level up. They have equipment. They have weapons. They have abilities. Um, and they have stats and things like that. Very traditional. Um, there is even a job system where each of your characters starts out as a certain job. There's six different jobs. And then 
as you progress through the game, you can change jobs just like you would expect. And also pretty common nowadays with job systems is when you change jobs, you can, how this game does it is you can select a few of the skills from, from already mastered jobs or skills that you've already learned that you can use them whenever, no matter what your set job is. So you can kind of, you know, multi, multi uh, class there in that way. Sure. Um, it's pretty simple. It's not. It's not even as intricate as like Final Fantasy V, even. But it's you know you can change jobs. You can have a couple of skills from one job carried over. Um, so that's those those two things that that class system that kind of basic but functional class system and the tank customization are, are the where this game shines most. Like yeah. that, that's that's the one positive to the game. But exploring these on foot locations is such a drag. Your character moves like molasses in these areas, super slow. And also, oh, I didn't mention this actually. When you're out on the wasteland, you don't have random encounters. How it works is you have, as you're driving in your tank along the wasteland, it's it's actually kind of like Kingdom Hearts where like enemies will just sort of pop up randomly yeah. Yeah. around you and you can choose to take them on or not. Now, how this works is if you choose to take them on, you can fire your cannon or whatever weapon you have equipped at them while you're out on the field. And then that's sort of your way to getting a preemptive strike. It actually does damage to them. Um, so you basically damage them before you get into battle. And then it transitions into the turn-based battle screen from there. And then you're basically in your tanks and you fight from there. So key thing is it's not random. Yeah. If you want to fight them, you can. If you want to ignore all of them, you can. Um, it's you know it's a it's a pretty simple but functional system that works. Now in these dungeons where you have to go on foot, it's random battles, and the encounter rates in some of them are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So this, so as you know, this combination of your character moving slow like molasses and these random encounters, it's actually pretty frustrating to the point where I was actually sort of dreading seeing the next on foot dungeon like. Another one that I have to go through. Oh, fun. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> like, like, I literally, like, swear to myself, like, I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. Um, now, these dungeons, what makes them even worse is that they all look the same on the inside. Literally every single one looks the same. Um, there's, okay, there's one story one that sort of looks different, but 90, 90% of them look the same. Right, yeah. And so there's, like, nothing to see. They're all linear paths. They're they're actually very similar to dungeons that you would find in Octopath Traveler or Bravely Default, where it's basically a linear path with a couple of branches to the left or right to find a chest. Yeah, just nothing, Um, or Persona, like nothing very intricate. It's just like, okay, go up to the next floor or something. Yeah, and just like the the Wasteland, all the treasure chests within the dungeon are also glowing. So again, it's basically just go into the dungeon, open up your mini-map, and like, okay, let me just go to the first, find where the first dot is, pick it up, go to the second dot, pick it up, all, all, all while dealing with or running away from the frequent random encounters and really wishing your guy would move twice as fast at least. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's basically the game. Um, you go from settlement to settlement. There's a couple of story scenes at each one, but it's mostly just, you know, you're recruiting a new character, you're, you fight a monster that, that was bothering them, and then once you kind of help them out they join you and you know pretty expected um and then you go from settlement to settlement dungeon to dungeon throughout this you're upgrading your tanks you're getting stronger weapons and things like that and then eventually you meet the final boss 
Um, I actually met hit a bit of a wall at him. Uh, it took me, I had to go back and sort of reconfigure my tanks a bit to, to, to surpass him. Uh, and then you beat him, and then and then that's that. It's a pretty short game. It's about I got I got to the final boss in about seventeen hours, um, and then I had to spend like an hour or two kind of figuring out a build that would beat him. So you know, let's just say twenty hours. And then at that point, you can do like a new game plus, which basically you just do the same thing um, with stronger enemies and stronger. You you keep your tank, and you can get even stronger points and a new stronger weapons and things in a new game plus. Um, one thing that is sort of nice about New Game Plus, I actually did one, is that you can strip out all the story stuff. Even though it's sort of minimalistic to begin with, you can basically decide to just remove it all and just do the just just do the combat gameplay part of it. Yeah. So you don't have to re so you don't have to like redo all the whole the whole story stuff. Um now I mentioned that the combat like flexibility is pretty nice, but unfortunately most of the game is Easy enough where you doesn't you don't have to bother with it too much. <laughs> um, I just put like a bunch of cannons on my tanks, like literally as many cannons as possible. And some tanks even have an ability called cannon rush, where you can basically fire all your cannons all at once. <laughs> and then that was like just that was basically yeah, literally like you have a tank with five cannons on it, or you could even have like three tanks each with five cannons on it, and then just have all your tanks just firing all the time. And that basically worked for pretty much anything except the final boss. I had to be a little bit more. Uh, thoughtful there, but it's like besides some some moderately interesting tank customization, the rest of the game, like the exploration, the dungeons, the story, is just really dull. I even made the uh, I made the obvious I made the obvious uh, metaphor in my in my review that the game is a lot like the wasteland that it's in. It's just barren, stale. <laughs> That's really and sad. Yeah. It's 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 hard to recommend other than the fact that it's like, well, it is only like twenty hours, so you're it doesn't that's for an RPG that's not very long these days. <laughs> um <Yeah>. so <laughs> it's actually kinda interesting because I mean the whole reason it's called Metal Max is because it was directly inspired by Mad Max, and so that's why it's all set in like mm-hmm. a desert wasteland and everything. Um but I know that like the whole like Metal Max Xeno, if I'm not mistaken, from when I when we were first posting about it when it was first announced a lot of it had to do with the fact that the previous game in the series, which I think was like a, uh, well, there was a mobile game, I believe, and there was it was also on handhelds for a while there, like the DS and the 3DS. Those didn't really experience great sales, and so they wanted to kind of go back to the series roots with this one, with Xeno. Um, but it's clear that, you know, I don't know if it has to do with Catacall, the developers, because they have worked on the series for a while now, at least like the modern interpretation of the series, not the original you know, Super Nintendo games and all that. Um, so I don't know exactly what they're going to do from from here on because I don't think this game was well received in Japan either. Like, go figure, right? Uh, so I don't know what what the case is there. I've just heard some really good things just over the years uh, when we didn't get them. Uh, a lot of it had to do with, as you mentioned, the uh, the tank customization. Like that was one of the big features of the series was that they, uh, you know, you could do a lot with your tank. That was the that was the big thing. But funny enough, you mentioned the random counters. I think that the last game that came out, like I think, was it Metal Max Four. On the, so. on the on the 3ds, yeah, there was that mobile game in between, I believe. That was also criticized for its high encounter rate, <laughs> um, but I think that was better received than this one. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. But for all intents and purposes, it feels like this is definitely not uh, a title people should seek out. Yeah, it, it's it's like not a bad game. Like 
it's not like like I've played games that have like broken systems or or like gameplay mechanics that don't really mesh well together or like it's just you know a chore to play. This is more just kind of bland. Yeah. Um. So it's not very interesting, and that's the thing. Like when I compare this to Metal Saga, like Metal Saga was similar in ways, like in terms of like being a minimalist story. But I felt like it was. It felt like more like a mystery, and you're sort of uncovering what happened in different factions and things like that. Where this is just more very straightforward, and that like kill the monsters, and it's just like oh okay, uh, okay, and right. it just it just that that's that's all there is to it. And there's like yeah, just it just it, yeah, I don't have much more to say on it. It's so. nothing to much, yeah, nothing to do with that. So that's that's a shame. Um, so from here on though. Uh, is there another game you're looking just to keep playing? I saw you playing some Dragon Quest Eleven still. Yeah, so Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, for those who don't know, like Dragon Quest Eleven has a post game to it. Yeah. Um, so like when you get to the credits, there is more game after that, considerably more. And a lot of games do this now, where it's oftentimes referred to as a post game, like extra bosses or extra dungeons or things like that. But even when this game come out, came out in Japan and people were talking about it, I know someone who kind of refused to call it a post game because it's like it's they they would say it's not optional; you have to do it. And I just got to that point, and like even though I just started the quote post game, I see exactly where they're coming from. Like you don't want to skip it. It, it actually, <laughs> yeah. Without spoiling a story thing, it actually took one of the story things that I was sort of iffy on earlier, like just a minor thing, but it retroactively like revisited that and like changed my opinion of it like oh mm, so that's that yeah it's kind of like there's near, other things oh sorry go ahead were you gonna mention near yeah near it's like near automata and that uh i mean a is not where really where the game ends you want to continue past it and get the rest yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and so like I'm, I'm in the post game now it seems like this is pretty sizable but yeah dragon quest is a big game i've been playing it for a while i had to play metal max in there um so i just kind of want to you know it's a long game just kind of want to wrap it up and not have it <laughs> weighing on my mind like oh yeah i still got to play it so but you know with torna just came out uh josh reviewed that seems like it's a pretty good expansion although apparently it's a terrible entry point even though that's what sort of they advertise it as a <laughs> it's, well you know yeah. it's like square said you know like was it like you need to watch keen's glaive but you don't have to watch keen's glaive but you should watch it maybe you should play and like and i'm concerned about the mobile game uh for kingdom hearts like you should play unchained before you play kingdom hearts 3 yeah and all this that's stuff. not like, gonna happen i know that's uh <laughs> obviously xenoblade is not square it's monolith uh so uh so, um, excuse me um what is their studio name? Wait, Monolithsoft? Uh huh. Monolithsoft. Xenoblade is Monolithsoft. Yeah, no. yeah. Sorry, I, for some reason when I said Monolith, I'm like, no, that's fear. That's that's the fear people. No, yeah, Monolithsoft. Uh, but still, like, it's it's sometimes you just can't take the developer by the word. It's that you just kind of probably should ask the community first, the people that have played it. So that's pretty clear. Um, and yeah, apparently that's just about 20 hours as well. So you don't have to invest a lot of time in that if you want to jump around. So that's and then Valkyria Chronicles is next week. Which yes, you in a few days. So, uh, which is I will a- play that, but I'm probably going to be late to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you said you're going to play it on PC as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that that version should be really good just because of it's, you know, the same team that worked on. Well, I assume it's going to be the same port team that worked on Valkyria Chronicles Remastered on PC. They'll handle the port for that uh, to PC as well uh d3t i believe they're called um who did the shenmue sure. ones as well uh so that should potentially be perfectly fine and probably the best way to play that game uh 
considering how good it looks. Uh, well, for me, uh, I got through Spider-Man. I beat that game. Basically, I felt Batman was a better series. I don't know why people are you know super up on high on this game. I don't think it's as good as people made it out to be. I thought there were some great moments, but it seemed like there were definitely parts that felt like it was ripped straight from Batman. Uh, like there's the Scarecrow moment, which was pretty obvious. I'm like, okay, this is pretty much the Scarecrow fight from Batman Arkham Sound. Um, but you know, uh, I don't mean to be so reductive. I still think it's got some, it's got some high quality moments there, but I didn't have a particularly great time with it. Love the Sweeney mechanics and that's, that's it. You know, uh, some of the dialogue was a little weird. So that's all I'll say about that. Uh, but I also got to cover CrossCode. Uh, Wrapped up that, posted my review up on the site. Um, who people don't know, CrossCode is a game that's been in development for about seven years. which is kind of like a pattern this year. And a lot of games that have been in development for a long time have finally been coming out. Uh, from, uh, you know, Chasm to Iconoclast. Uh, uh, that last game I, I, I covered before, uh, which was uh, Luca Born of a Dream. That was in development for years as well. And now, yeah, CrossCode finally showed up. Uh, it's a game that we actually covered, uh, or at least post, uh, tweeted about back in early 2015. Uh, so not even, I mean, that's like halfway through development. I think, I think it's been actually older than, it started more than seven years ago. They, they said seven years, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, they said half the it's, time it's, was in they've been, they've been developing it for a while. And as far as I understand, it started out as like a browser-based game. Yeah, uh, and like they, from there they've been working on it the whole time in yeah. a sense. Yeah, it's been in limbo for a long time, and that's you know, um, like th- these kind of games. And yeah, apparently Y two K is going to be out really soon too. Speaking of which, of games been development for a long time, but um, it's been kind of fun to be able to cover these games for the site because uh, you know they spent so much time on it, so many resources that it's nice it's interesting to be able to like check out these games and see where they're at and give them a proper review and i had the opportunity to do it for this we tweeted about it uh, a few months ago when they announced the release date for this actually it was probably like last month in fact um the, the, uh, one of the developers reached out to us and sent me a review code and i i was more than happy to oblige them so uh i played through the beta um, and the eventual 1.0 release this past week uh, when I was about near the end of the game. So that was actually interesting timing uh, to see if there were any other changes. Uh, good enough, in fact, that they're planning on adding some more uh, content to the game. So just to back up a little bit and talk about what this game is like. Uh, so it is an action RPG. Uh, and the story is all about this sort of game within a game framework that people are familiar with. Where it's like, you know, dot .hack, stored on online. Uh, in this case, um, you play. Uh, you take this role of a special avatar. In uh, this, you know, the game world, of course, is made up of avatars, but you're a special one called Leah, who uh, apparently be, uh, played through the game before. Uh, but you know, uh, through a series of weird incidents, which I won't spoil, uh, she is uh, uh, hurled uh, through time and space and all this. And it turns out that she uh, loses all of her powers. Go figure. Uh, kind of like Symphony of the Night, you know, it's like you could see all the cool stuff you can do, but now you have to start over from the beginning again. Um, you have Amnesia, you're also a mute, uh, who gets fed some lines, which is kind of, it's kind of funny, uh, the first line she is given is, hi, and <laughs> so she constantly says, uh, so what are you doing here? Hi. Uh, what's, what's going on here? Hi. Uh, and even like the, it's funny enough because this is supposed to be like a, an MMO and that um, a quest giver is like, hey, do you know what happened to my dog here? Hi. 
oh, so thank you. I, I really appreciate your so like uh, concern about me. You know, it's like it's like it, it feeds into like this meta commentary, which is kind of like the game itself. And so uh, the whole setup is that. Uh, you are you first arrive in sort of the uh, the real world, you know, the physical world. But instead of having it where that you go into like a you know you boot into a PC or something like that to access the game part of this, you, it's actually sort of the same physical plane in that the game world is set on a moon uh, from uh, different from the planet that you start out in, and uh, the the game itself plays out like typically like any MMO uh, in that you, you know you, there's a lot of other players around that are running around uh, engaging in different quests and things like that, uh, all offline by the way. This is all simulated. Um, and you can invite players into your party and, and play with them and you get to meet people along the way, take on different MMO quests. Once again, a lot of meta commentary, which, you know, that could be, you know, maybe not for, you, for a lot of people, but I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And then, uh, it gets into, uh, all this different stuff that happens that, you know, as you can imagine with the physical world and virtual world, not being too far f- from each other, these worlds collide and the story really plays into that aspect of it, uh, throughout the, the whole game itself, which is a pretty long game, all things considered. It's like dozens of hours. Uh, I don't actually have the time in front of me, but I played a lot of it. Uh, and there's a lot more that I could have gotten into that I actually kind of, had to streamline it a little bit so I could get the game up for review. In any case, uh, the combat itself is really the biggest part of this game, in, in my opinion. It's really fun. It's kind of like an East game uh, in that you're dashing around the screen, uh, uh, chaining up all these combos, numbers popping off, uh, and it's really fun and kinetic that way. It was it was quite a blast. Um, and there's a lot of play in terms of like elements, uh, puzzle solving, like uh, it, everything from actual puzzles that you have to solve to get from room to room to the bosses that you encounter and other enemies. A lot of things like using like these balls that you throw out, um, the projectiles that you kind of can bounce off the environment to take down. Say, for example, an enemy is facing you and has a shield up. You have to bounce off the wall to hit him from behind so that it breaks their shield. And that's that kind of plays into a lot of the other aspects as well. Uh, the puzzles can sometimes get in the way because uh, you'll, you'll sometimes you'll uh, go into a dungeon that is mostly made up of a series of small rooms with puzzles, and so the dungeons can go on a little too long because it's just this, and so it, it can kind of drag on on the pace a little bit, and um, that was a bit of a shame. But other than that, uh, you know, it's it's still very fun. The soundtrack was great. Uh, I had a really good time with that, and uh, to also to mention. With the combat itself, you will level up. Uh, so, but the cool thing is, is that it kind of has a uh, skill tree that's a little bit like the uh, Sphere Grid from Final Fantasy X, um, or you know, just pretty much any modern skill tree, I suppose. In that, you every time you level up, you get uh, circuit points, and that you kind of go down a branching path uh, uh, through a path to unlock. Uh, different uh, boosts, uh, uh, such as you know, increasing your attack power, unlocking different skills and abilities. Um, and the cool thing is, is that if you happen to go down one path, you're not stuck there. You can actually leap to the other one. That's horizontally uh, horizontal to you, and so you don't feel like you know you, you'll go down the wrong direction and have to like now have to start the game over and try it again or like reset my points or something to uh, uh, try a different build. It definitely is uh, okay with letting you just you know experiment with that and not feel like you're getting trapped like uh trapped into a corner so that was pretty good as well um but yeah i I just i'm sorry that that's good to hear now do you think like the variety and like abilities is good like in terms of like what types of attacks you can do on the field like when i think of like so I'm, i'm trying to imagine this game i've seen 
some clips of it, a very yeah. few. And like I, I see where like your East comment comes from, but like, do you have a lot of diff- like lots of different types of abilities you can get? Like I'm thinking like Hyperlight Drifter or something like that, where you have like different weapons like guns you can use that have like different like there's like a beam gun that's more like a straight shot there's like a shotgun which is more of a spread shot um you know that's obviously that seems to be a little bit not quite the same type of game but similar like what do you think about the ability variety yeah um i mean like i mentioned it's more east than it is hyper light drifter because it's not so heavily into there's some platforming but a lot of it is just dashing around to get around enemies and, and using uh different elemental attacks and, and things like that there's only one real kind of projectile that you'll use which is the like i mentioned that the balls uh they call it the balls that's why you know uh that you blast off off, off walls and such like that so it's not you're not using like a huge arsenal of weapons at your disposal it's a little more grounded than that in terms of what you have uh, 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 at your disposal, um, so that's that's probably a way better comparison. Honestly, like I said, like the East games, um, like from uh, and a lot of dodging, breaking guards, uh, you know that kind of thing, and the huge, huge ass bosses, kind of like East again, uh, that you have to take down and read their tells and figure out how you're going to, uh, you know open up their weak spot to attack them so it, it's it's more it's way more like that and once again a lot of the puzzles and stuff like that too uh but you know it, like i mentioned before they are continuing to update this game post-release uh, post version 1.0 despite the fact that this game has been developing for so many years like if you go into the steam community you'll find plenty of screenshots that are not too dissimilar to what it looks like now back from like 2014 and 2015 so it's it's definitely one of those games that's been very incrementally growing over the the past few years um since it entered a uh, steam early access in 2015 uh but yeah it's it's uh it's it's definitely um a lot of high octane action a lot of uh smart like i said meta commentary a lot of fourth wall breaking um maybe not as as bad as like you know make you groan out loud like all right uh there are some moments that i rolled my eyes at like it's some you know uh uh, you know, online talk, you know, like, uh, I don't really have to explain it further, but it's like, yeah, it's like that kind of thing, you know, it's like, okay. Like memes? Yeah, a lot of memes. Uh, so it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, they try to be more original than that, which I appreciated. Uh, you know, it's not like they're t- stealing from something here, like error to the knee shit. Like, I think Valkyria Chronicles 4 has got some of those memes. I'll see right now, error to the knee exists in Valkyria Chronicles 4. And I outright, I guess like, Fucking a! I was like, don't don't bring this shit into Valkyrie Chronicles. I'm sorry, whoever localized this, just don't pull that shit. It's it doesn't even make any sense. Um, but yeah, there's there's some good stuff in there, and yeah, just a lot of fun with it. And yeah, it's twenty bucks. You know, it, that's I think that's the big part of this. Like, people have spent over well over a hundred hours in this game before they beat it. Uh, and there's a new game plus option coming up. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it could already be out, honestly. Um, to, so people who want to go through it again uh, with some different adjustments to their loadout and whatnot. And like I said, there's not a huge reason to, but there's uh, you get to keep a lot of your uh, equipment and stats and stuff like that. So it can be kind of fun uh, doing it that way. There's difficulty levels and stuff like that too to play with. So And I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's on discount right now. So you get it for like 16 bucks. So... Uh, that's a pretty good deal uh, for a game that looks gorgeous. Uh, if you're into spread work, I know you are, Adam. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think I think people have a lot to enjoy from the, from this game. And uh, you know, um, 
my review says as much. You know, uh, I, I gave it an eight. Um, like I mentioned, the pacing and the mechanic cohesive, co- co- cohesiveness can sometimes be off. Like a little, it's a little jarring sometimes, and nothing. All, it doesn't all like kind of mesh together that well. It feels like they just kind of chucked in some things that here and there to make it work, uh, and that can come off as you know, uh, it doesn't really blend. But um, I I still had a, a great time with this, and people should really check it out sometime. And yeah, that's it's kind of my thoughts. And from here on, I don't know what I'm going to play. So we'll get into the news <laughs> uh, to to talk about some of the things that we heard about here. So I wanted to start off with um, Kingdom Hearts three. So uh, St- Square Enix last night had a stage event uh, last night, which was the middle of the day in Japan. But in any case. Um, they had another Kingdom Hearts 3 stage event where they shared more information about the game. This is getting to the part where it's like that very Japanese thing, kind of like the Neon Falcon thing, where they divulge too much. I mean, this is something that they did with Final Fantasy 15, so I shouldn't be too surprised. And they certainly passed that threshold with Kingdom Hearts a long time ago. But they kind of reveal everything about it that you would kind of like to you know, be pleasantly surprised about. And so I'm actually not going to mention the big reveal that they did, because uh, I think that that's kind of a... There's there's a there's an encounter I'll say that and and I think that going any further it it kind of bummed me out when I found out what was going to happen because I thought that would have been really cool to find out playing the game itself and not being told this is what happens uh, I guess in some cases it's it was kind of obvious it was going to happen based on earlier trailers but uh, I want to say that um, uh, there's some there's some pretty inf- important information that was shared during that stage event in any case. For one thing, Tatsuya Nomura was there, and he said that while Kingdom Hearts 3 is the end of the Zihanort saga, it's not the end of Kingdom Hearts, go figure. It's going to continue. Uh, Sora's story is going to continue. So that's that's kind of it right there. Which is, he, he said that before. Yeah, he did. Like, so. exactly that. Like, I, I saw some people, like, kind of actually upset, which, you know, they have the right to be. Yeah. But, like, why why should Sora still, see, still be the main character afterward? It's like, well, he did say that, like, he, he he said like even when like around birth by sleep was releasing so you know seven years ago or whatever that was um yeah that kingdom hearts will always be like sora as the main character it doesn't mean other characters can't be playable or important but yeah that's just the way he wants it i guess i so, mean it's it's not so gonna it's not it's not gonna be rebooted to be you know but anyways i think we're getting ahead of ourselves or at least me uh kingdom hearts 3 coming out next year it looks really great in terms of its visual style anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, and oh, I should mention also, I believe there's going to be another stage event today uh, that's going to focus on the worlds. Uh, there's 10. There were more than 10 worlds in the game. Uh, they've confirmed that. Um, and they did say they're considering online elements. Uh, they'll consider it after the work on the main story has been completed. So they're checking out different proposals about that. They also confirmed there will be a secret movie, as there's been in earlier entries, of course. Um, they're looking at different means to implement it, though, in order to prevent any spoilers. Because, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2, the, uh, Birth by Sleep, like, both had post-games uh, uh, movies that people found out about. Um, they're trying not to make it so that the requirements to see that movie are more difficult, but they're thinking about maybe releasing it at a later date as a downloadable as DLC, which I guess would probably work. You know, instead of data mining it out, uh, as so many people have done in the past, it's going to be done this way. And there are also more than twenty mini games. Uh, there's already been a bunch shown so far, so I'm yeah, not too Kingdom Hearts about is that. no stranger to mini games. No, so. absolutely not. I do like also that they kind of mentioned the character ages. So they said Terra, uh, 
is around 20 years old. Aqua is 18. Ventus is 16, which makes sense. He's a little kid there. Uh, young Xehanort is between 18 and 20, and Master Xehanort is in his mid-80s. Yeah. Um, I, I, mean, I, I didn't know that was new information, to be honest. No. I mean, that I, seems about what I'd expect. <laughs> yeah, I know. To be fair, like a lot of the time when they bring up character ages, like, Oh, this person's actually fifteen. Oh, this person's like twelve. Oh, like I like Tara, don't look it. Tara, the big brother of the group, is actually seventeen years old. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's always a little surprising, but that's kind of like how they're drawn. Of course, is that you know yeah. this character who looks like a full grown adult, or like it looks like a grandpa. He's actually thirty, and that makes me sad <laughs> when I think about it. Uh, we make the jokes that when we turn thirty, that we all become grandpas in anime, and that's kind of how this this. That's actually goes. one thing I do like about Dragon Quest. Just yeah. Um, the, none of the ages are given specifically, but like for example, the character of Jade, like it's sort of established that she's actually in her mid twenties. Like, hey, she actually looks like she's in her mid twenties, and she's not like, oh, I'm actually seventeen or sixteen. Like, yeah, wow, you're that young. Yeah, so yeah, I'm and other character, other other characters like Serena are also implied to be adults. So Solando too, like in their twenties, so or at least close to that. So, <laughs> yeah. anyways. I've been, I mean, I've been watching through, uh, during Summer Games uh, Dunk Quick 2017, they did the Final Fantasy VII speedrun, which was eight hours long, which is kind of unheard of to have a, such a long speedrun inside of that, that big old marathon charity event that they have. Um, and it's always, I, I, I've actually watched it back to back. Like, I, I finished it and I wanted to start it up again. Like, the lowest characters from that game were all, like, in their late teens or early 20s, you know? that That's kind of, like, it was kind of nice to have characters that were, like, 18 and 19 and 20 and, you know, so on. Uh, Cloud now, I think, is 42 years old, if you count in actual years. Uh, like, the Final Fantasy VII remake, I wonder if he'll be, like, a, a crippled old man by that point. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it, it's I think it's it's better. I think adult characters in these games make more sense. And, obviously, you can't have a story that progresses like Kingdom Hearts without them getting older. So, this only makes sense, too. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to Kingdom Hearts three. I'm really excited to check it out. Everything, every time they share new information, I'm trying to like consider whether I need to go on complete blackout or to kind of accept it for what it is. And that's kind of what it is here. Like they show new worlds, I get excited, and then I realize, man, this is like obviously back when Kingdom Hearts one and two were out. Like you had to get stuff from maybe a magazine or like the random video from like GameSpot. Uh, but now it's all out there, <laughs> so you have I to remember. Be I specifically remember when the first Kingdom Hearts is coming out. So a long time ago now. Yeah. Uh, I was in middle school, and I remember bringing like Game Pro or something to the like to the lunchroom, and like they had like the Kingdom Hearts blowout. And I remember that that, that was when before we knew like exactly how much Final Fantasy stuff was going to be in it. Yeah. And like, and that's where we saw like what. What is like Titus and Waka and uh, selfie doing here? Like, yeah, Squall. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't uh, think it showed Squall, but it's just no. like why is there? And you know, it wasn't a Final Fantasy game, and we knew that when it was announced. Like it was announced as a Disney game, really, like a Disney Square yeah. Enix thing. Yeah, and you know, information wasn't so readily available all the time back then. It's just I just remember like everyone being so shocked at like, what's Final Fantasy doing in Kingdom Hearts? And of course it's like duh nowadays, yeah. but I uh, mean that's that's the same with like Final Fantasy Seven, like I mentioned. It's that, you know, it was the mid nineties and I was, you know, old enough to recognize how big a transition it was to go from like the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games to 3D with the cinematics with the CG um, and there's some obviously some really 
big plot heavy moments in in Final Fantasy VII, and so like the idea that for example Square Enix like with the reveal last night it's like these encounters these big moments are now just being showed openly uh completely divulged it's like what if I had found out Sephiroth's big turn and Squall and and Cloud's big turn and everything that happens in the story like if I had found out that stuff ahead of release it would not have anywhere near the kind of impact it did on me uh at the time Uh, so another another advantage I, I said earlier, information wasn't so readily available. Also, spoilers were a little bit easier to avoid. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Uh, that's I mean, obviously not being online all the time. Uh, we were like restricted. Uh, you know, I mean, that's obviously a sign of the times. And I'm not trying to sound like a really old man, but it, it's 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 just sometimes it's people ask for so much. They want a lot of uh, you know. Uh, open transparency about these things, especially like games that are on, going on Kickstarter. But it's something to be said about not being told these things that can make the experience even greater like kind of kind of wants to at some point like i'm not going to be surprised by anything that happens in that game and that's speaking as a big fan of the series so i hope that they uh kind of keep a lid on it sometime after this <laughs> like i we're only a few months from release so it'd be nice if they kind of you know not told us everything <laughs> just shared some of the details and keep some stuff bottled up and that secret secret um uh movie part that's for the best i think that'll be a good way for me to find something that i want to enjoy without being told what it is even if i'm sure the video will be posted online anyway um but yeah that's that was a big deal and also another bit of news uh hikuru who typically sings the theme songs for the game for the entire series of kingdom arts uh she is teaming up with skrillex and pooh bear to do the opening theme for the game um is this confirmed Yes, it was. It was already confirmed, and and that's something that I, I mean, you can tell from the uh, the ASCAP uh, database entry, which is the uh, the organization that handles royalties. It actually says that, uh, and it's called "Face My Fears." She has another song, "Don't Think Twice," that's been shown off in trailers and whatnot for Kingdom Hearts Three. That's going to be the ending theme, um, but this case will be the opening. I should mention. Uh, when I when we posted the story about this, even on, especially on Twitter, people immediately remembered Squillix as being that wub guy. I mean, he's got a lot of like you know dubstep in his music. He has toned it down quite a lot over the past couple years. Uh, a lot of it's way more subdued and way more fitting for something like this. Like if you think about it, Simple and Clean uh, had some of the like kind of techno music to it until they added the orchestrated version. They're like, okay, this fits way better. Um, that's kind of more about his stuff lately. It's it's far more uh fitting than uh what it's been what, what you would typically expect it's a little better than say afrojack in final fantasy 15 with the fishy music it, it fits way, way better mm-hmm. um and so honestly I'm, I'm not uh disturbed by this news and i think people should maybe have a little more of an open mind uh because you know listen to some of his recent stuff it's it's a lot better and this is someone who typically uh, i never would i, I kind of hate dubstep music uh but i like some of his more recent stuff so i think it actually works um, but yeah, hopefully we hear some of that soon so that we can kind of find out for ourselves because who knows, maybe it'll be completely dubstep and I'm completely wrong, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but I thought that was important to share as well. Also, uh, we mentioned this last week after a listing showed up on the USK, the Germany ratings board, uh, and this was confirmed by um, by Sega recently. Uh, actually, I should Try say Ace. Tri-Ace recently. Yeah. Residents of Fate 4K HD edition has been properly revealed. 
considering Trias is personally publishing it, I'm kind of uh, be, uh, bummed out that they used the, what was the Star Ocean uh, Last Hope uh, uh, version of a title, where they added 4K slash HD edition at the end. It's like, just, you know, whatever, just card. Uh, it's because you have to kind of separate it because Resonance of Fate is already an HD game, I guess. But yeah, uh, in any case, it's going to be uh, a remaster of the game. It's coming to PS4 and PC, like we already knew before, on October 18th for $35, which is quite a good deal, in my opinion. They have not said what exactly any changes that will be made. I guess it's that, um, let me see here. I'm, I'm reading through the, the details that we got here. Um, nope. They haven't said anything about it. Hopefully they've uh, they've made some uh, adjustments to that. But right now all they said was what people get if they pre-order the game, which is uh, uh, PS4 theme and Avatar sets. Nothing for Steam users other than the fact that they can wishlist it. Do you know if they revealed anything from like the recent stage show about any changes? Or is this just the same game? I think it's basically like Star Ocean. Um, even though it's... I guess we should emphasize that this is being self-published by Triace. And that's yeah. actually really interesting. Like... Sega, I guess, doesn't... Sega either just let them have the rights or they always had the rights, or Trias always had the rights, I guess. I don't know if that was ever public. No. Um, I like. I always thought of it as a Sega game that Trias, you know, developed for them. You know, Trias rarely publishes. I don't know if they... I don't think this is... I think this is the first one they've ever done, right? I don't yeah, remember the, them ever I, working outside of... Like, they've never been independent. They're owned by a Chinese yeah. mobile company, so... Yes, yeah, like, Square Enix has published most of Trice's games, like Star Ocean, Valkyrie Profile. Yeah. There's a couple, like, uh, Exist Archive, which was, uh, that was Spike Chunsoft, but they've always been published by someone else, so the fact that they're their Sega game, uh, Resident Fate, they're self-publishing now, it's interesting, like, oh, I guess they have the right to do that, or Sega mm. let them have it, or maybe they always had it, I don't know. I, I um, imagine if they self-published, that would mean they own the rights to it, yeah, so... Yeah, so... Um, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, Residents of Fate is one of those games is it's, it's very unique in its style. Um, it's like obvious. Um, but also in the way, like it tells its story, it's actually kind of, um, not to, I don't want to get too much into it yet because I'm sure one of us will be playing it. Um, but it, it has a very kind of segmented distance way that it tells its storyline, um, that's pretty unusual. Um, and the battle system, of course, is its own weird thing. And it's just <laughs> it's kind of a bizarre. unique game. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It doesn't, I don't think it fits together all in the right ways, but you can't say it's boring. Um, or maybe you can actually, I don't know. Some people might, but it's, <laughs> it, it definitely tries something yeah. unique and I give it props for that. Yeah, it's like that video that someone posted. It was like he found out Resonance of Fate is getting a 4K version. He's like, he took a video of him like throwing out like a protractor, ruler, giant like yeah. grid paper to try to figure out to aim it because a lot of it is using like velocity and you know RNGs. Well, a lot of it, a lot of the battle system. First of all, have you played it? I have only played the demo, and that scared me from playing the main game. <laughs> a lot of the battle system revolves around like you you set your character like literally they have a starting point. And then you you pick an ending point where they're going to run to, and then depending on like the paths that characters run, like and cross each other's paths and things like that, like that'll affect the battle um, and like what abilities they can use and the effectiveness of it. I, I it's been a while since I played this, so I might not record, re- remember yeah, all the nuances to it. Yeah, it's been a decade. So it was this. There was this really 
there you had to be thoughtful about your positioning and your movement of your characters, not just like range, actually having your cross paths and things like that. Yeah, would would actually affect their abilities um, in terms of like how many paths they crossed and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I know people have been wanting this game to come to PC because Sega had been doing pretty well and getting a lot of their games to PC, and it's just it is kind of amusing how like apparently it's not Sega at all who who yeah. did this. So it's clearly um, it's, it's not their PC. I mean, Trius had their stage show where they also talked about the uh, the mobile game they're working on, which I'm blinking. It's but it's a, a game they're co-developing. But this is their this is their game, you know, uh, and this is the only one they talked about. So that news about Trice new title announcement, it was just this. <laughs> so it's kind of like what we kind of uh, assumed it would be. Uh, I was hopeful, but apparently it didn't matter. Um, but that's what this was, and so I, I ba- based on that alone, the fact that Trice seems to be doing all the work themselves, I'd imagine Sega is working on other ports of their back library, the back catalog, and so. Fingers crossed for Skies of Arcadia is what I'm saying. Um, but that's just nice to see that. Or the Panzer Dragoon games. I mean, come on. But yeah, we'll, we'll find out hopefully sometime soon. But yeah, still, uh, we're only uh, less than a month away from getting this uh, this out. I assume you'll be the one covering this game, most likely. Uh, but Probably. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's it's almost not assuredly going to be you because uh, you know the most about it. But um, I think it'll be a great way for people to try this out for the first time that they couldn't before. It was a PS3 and 360 game before, so it wasn't really locking us out, but it never showed up as a digital game, which was kind of a weird situation. Yeah, that those early those early PS3 Xbox 360 games sometimes kind of weird. No, um, in terms of like digital availability. Yeah, like for example, Final Fantasy 13. Besides on Steam, you, it's not on PSN. Like you have to buy if you want to buy it on PS3, you have to. Buy a, a physical disc. Still. Yeah, it's awful. And like, yeah, Final Fantasy Thirteen is such a bizarre thing. You, it's on PSN, but you can't download it. It's only for like, it's like a library thing. Like, you can only see that it's like, uh, it's oh, a title really? that exists. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's it's on there. You just can't download it. You, it tells you you have to have the disc. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's because like Nolan North voices one of the characters and he's expensive. I don't know. Like, it, it's it's a really weird situation to be in. Um, but in any case, this is really cool. And because it's dual audio, uh, he's going to be in there anyway, so it's going to be kind of nice. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to check it out for the first time uh, myself, for the, for real, and not just the demo. Also, we have to mention that it has the best fashion system in oh. any RPG. <laughs> like, I am not kidding. You can like you can dress your characters up in a variety of different outfits, um, very Barbie doll-like, and not just for the girl, Leanne, but for all the characters. Um, it has no bearing on your stats or anything, so you can just do whatever you want. You don't have to min-max. Um, some of them are like very reasonable, fashion-y, fashionable things you can do, and you can just go silly if you want with like like the moose costume or whatever <laughs> yeah like a bear like a polar bear the, the bears and there was even one where yes. it's like they're wearing regular clothes but they're like skin colored and they're wearing like bikini yes like, colored <laughs> looking like it's like they're it looks like they're wearing a bikini but it's like a bodysuit yeah it's it, so it's, it kind of has both reasonable and wacky and you can do whatever you want um it's, Rangers. it's the type of, it's the type of game where it's a type of game where there are a couple of like CG cinematics, but a lot of it's rendered in game engine. So all your costumes were reflecting cutscenes and things like that. Oh, it's so um, good. It's so cool. It's actually kind of amusing when I was looking up, I was trying to find like a cutscene on YouTube for a, for a couple of gifts on Twitter. And it's actually kind of amusing just to see like the same cutscene, but in like so many different 
like styles because the characters are wearing something different in each one and even like their hair colors and so yeah it can really have a lot it's, of fun it, 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 it might be confusing if you don't know like what is leanne like what is her national hair what is her normal hair color because it, it sometimes it's pink sometimes it's uh black sometimes it's blonde like you don't know because it can just be whatever you want yeah it's blonde by the way clearly so, put a lot of work into that part well that, actually so. it's more complex than that so yeah it's it's a really fun like just side thing like it really has no bearing on anything no. in the game but it just why not <laughs> yeah why not and that's and that's the cool thing like this was they put everything in the game you know they didn't hold anything back uh for if, if i'm not mistaken there's there was no dlc it was all included in the game um so nope. yeah. i do remember the tutorial i this is something i just I've, I've already prepared myself for i remember i don't quite remember exactly how it works but there's a lot of tutorials in the game you want to do them because it's got a complex like I think the battle system, once you get a hang of it, it's not too bad, but it's just weirder than you might expect just going in blind. So you do yeah. want to do the tutorials for that. Yeah. But I also remember that the tutorials do give you like a bonus or something if you actually do them. So like you actually get rewarded for doing the tutorials. But I do remember it takes like an hour or more <laughs> to do them all. So just just you just gotta mentally prepare yourself for that. Like, oh yes, when I start the game. I'm going to be spending an hour or two just doing tutorials. <laughs> I just remember that. <laughs> yeah, you got to, and I, if you do end up reviewing it, you'll have to paste that uh, yourself too. So I assume you yep. need to like obviously relearn everything because it's not, like you said, once you get the hang of it, it's like riding a bike, it'll stick with you. But uh, I assume even right now, it's 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 worth it to go back and check uh, the tutorials. Um, and you never know, like they said, there could have been some changes, but for 35 bucks, I don't assume they'll do that much. Um, you know, even the retail copies right now are about 30 bucks anyway. So for the current versions, and so I assume it's just going to be the game for PS4 and PC with obvious, you know, upgrades from textures and audio quality and stuff like that. So, uh, still excited about that. We'll hopefully find some details about that soon. So. Uh, another big announcement. Uh, some of this stuff is from Tokyo Game Show. Some of this is not. This is from Tokyo Game Show. So uh, Capcom announced a while back that they were going to have a stage event for the Ace Attorney series. People are very hopeful, thinking that uh, they'll talk about the new game coming to the Switch, which they already sort of revealed before. Uh, turns out, no. <laughs> Instead, they actually announced that uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy that's already appeared on other platforms uh uh, such as like mobile and and 3ds and stuff like that. It's going to be coming to PlayStation 4, an Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. So for the first time, uh, the series has appeared on a place other than a Nintendo console. Like I said, it's been on iOS and Android. It's never been on uh, uh, as, as far as consoles are concerned. It's never been away from the Nintendo. So this is huge news. It means that potentially the next Ace Attorney game, uh, the big game, uh, will also appeal on other platforms. But yes, this will be the first three games in the series. Um, <clears throat> that includes, obviously, the first Ace Attorney game. It also includes uh, Justice for All and Trials and Tribulations. Uh, it'll be out in early 2019. Uh, they haven't really said what other changes will be made, uh, but they did say they'll have dual audio. So that's just literally just objection. Wait, they have voices? Uh-huh. Yes, they, yes, they like I said, they make sounds in the court, and that's it. <laughs> like when they talk about that, it's literally just a couple of sounds they make. That's it. Like I, like, I didn't think they add voices until like the 3DS game. Like, what's that five? Oh, it was on the it was on the DS, but it was just oh, objection okay. or the Japanese. You know, I don't I don't actually know the the proper word for uh, it, but it's it's, okay. it's what it sounds like. But yeah, uh, that's it. Um, but. 
uh, you know, as someone who uh, I played through the Ace Attorney trilogy uh, a couple years ago, uh, it's so damn good. I had such a great time with it. Some incredible moments that are still highly memorable to this day. Easily the best the series has been. Uh, but, you know, there's been some better games. Like, I've, Spirit of Justice is also great. Uh, but, you know, it's it's such a very high bar. I know, Adam, you have not played these games. And so do you think oh. you'll pick them up when you'll when these come out? Uh, probably not. No, you're not, not into that, (laughs) but yeah, uh, it's, it's still, uh, you know, anyone who's out into, uh, you know, visual novels or uh, mystery solving, uh, you know, detective work, that kind of stuff. It's, they're all great, great games. And I can't, I think I said this last week, like I like ports Games should come to everything. Yes. And now Ace Attorney is basically on everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it was never a Nintendo quote unquote exclusive, and the and the way that Nintendo somehow owned the rights, it's just that uh, obviously Capcom had a strong working relationship with Nintendo and did that. Uh, so, but considering how big the series has been, it only makes sense uh, in terms of an evolutionary standpoint that they moved to other platforms, and this is going to be cool. It's kind of like Monster Hunter World, you know. It was on it was on PSP for a long time. I mean, it's not a great direct comparison, but in any case, it was on PSP for a long time. Then it went to Nintendo for a long time with no signs on, on PlayStation platforms other than Frontier, which is that online game. Uh, now it's it's on multiple platforms, and that's that's good for Capcom. They need the money, <laughs> clearly, after nearly hitting bankruptcy not long ago. Um, but yeah, that was a big part of that news. Uh, another cool thing that happened to come out is that, so uh, Game Informer, they, during Tokyo Game Show, they visited um, Gunho's offices, uh, and what they found out was some details upon what exactly is are the changes that are being made for Grandia HD Remaster and Grandia 2 HD Remaster. So, of course, uh, we've already covered Grandia 2 Anniversary Edition uh, on PC. Uh, Adam, of course, you covered that for the site. So, uh, they did say there are some other changes here, uh, aside from what was happening. And so... Uh, Aside from the, the stuff that you expect, like I'm running down the other uh, bullet list that we've got on the on the news post for us, it's that you know it's this digitally converted game manual. I'm pretty sure that was already available. Like that's that's something I guess. Um, they are using the same source code as Grindy Two Anniversary Edition, which was based on the Sega Dreamcast version. Good. I think Adam, you said yes. you played the PS2 version, which was awful. Yes. Don't, <laughs> don't. Only play the PS2 version if you're like incredibly broken like literally broken a game is like just doesn't work <laughs> yes it doesn't work uh but here's actually some of the changes here it's that they fixed the pc the video audio desync that was on the pc version i played some of the anniversary edition you can clearly tell there's some desync going on there they fixed that they also switched to x input which will help uh the controller issues that the original had um and they said add a support to exit to title which I didn't know you couldn't exit to the title before. I guess you had to quit the game and close it entirely to get back to the title screen. Um, but they have also added Japanese subtitles for the Switch version. Uh, so that would mean that, you know, if you want to... You can play it in Japanese voices and ja- subtitles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's one way, I guess. I mean, Wait, I know- it's also kind of weird, though. Didn't they, didn't they say that this release is not planned for Japan? Nope, it's not. It's only for North so, America like, it's, and it's going to it's going to have Japanese voices and text, but they'll have to import it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I guess they just couldn't get the contract for that, which is kind of crazy considering Gunho is based in Japan. Um, but yeah, it, it's I, I guess the only thing you could say is it's kind of like, you know, Night in the Woods is adding a Japanese pa- a patch for Japanese text uh, to the Western versions because it's also coming out in Japan in early 2019. Uh, 
but the only thing I could say is that I guess if you wanted to learn more Japanese, you can put like this is a way to learn more Japanese, like an easy way. Uh, but that's yeah, that's the case. It's only going to be released in the West. Now, Grandia One HD Remaster. This is the big stuff here because this is what because uh, this know, is new, right? This is all new, obviously, because it's only been on you know PlayStation and the Sega Saturn. I guess uh, it's never been on on PC before uh or switch i guess in this case too so um the, the just to run this down enhanced details the ui sprites and texture art so of course they up the resolution uh the original cinematic videos have received visual enhancements uh so once again they they pretty much maybe fixed it up i don't know if it really means they you know redid them it just sounds like they kind of touched it up where they could uh they added widescreen support and customizable resolutions to pc don't know how big you want the game's resolution to be on a game that's 20 years old, but we'll see. Uh, they added MSAA into aliasing, uh, bloom effects, normal mapping, and blur effects to the game. I'm not touching bloom or blur effects. I don't know why you'd want to have that crap. Uh, Steam cards and achievements, of course, for the Steam release. They added, this is the bigger one, they added Japanese audio and English subtitles, so basically dual audio. Now, this is something we didn't really completely know, but uh, Gunhao did confirm uh, through Twitter. At first, it just sounded like, you know, Japanese audio only, and they couldn't get the English track, but they did clarify later, uh, the same day that we posted this, that yes, it's going to have dual audio, so you can play either in the uh, the really qu- high-quality Japanese audio version, or you can play the classic lead uh, English <laughs> dub version. Which, boy, I do remember how bad it was, but that's just kind of the sign of the times, you know? Yeah, like, I'm I'm the type of person where I usually like to play with the dub. Like, even if even if it's not, like, great, I just, I kind of just like to hear, like, the performances that people do. Yeah. Um, like, I don't, I'm not really, a, I'm like, I'm not, I know some people, it's more important that they play it as it was originally, and, you know, yeah. that's, that's fine for them. Yeah. But, Which like, this nothing. game is just, is not... Like there are there are maybe some moments where like the like the kind of cheesy voices are charming, but there are some where I just think it's just flat out bad. And yeah, just, they phoned it in. Like fonts like, on the streets and <laughs> just bought them in. I mean, obviously, this game came out in what two thousand? Is it before two thousand? Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety nine. Yep. Yeah. Ninety seven in um, Japan, but yeah. Well, the Saturn version is a little earlier, obviously, but yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like one of the earlier voice acting. For games <laughs> before and they just, knew it was worth it to invest in. I, I I plan on playing this on PC and I, yeah, I'll go with the Japanese voices because yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> weird. Good, be- it's definitely good that they give that option. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because you know I I, d- I reviewed Shenmue one and two when it came out in August and I basically said that that made the whole experience like I, why would I want to play Japanese? The audio, the English made it so great, <laughs> in in both ironic and unironic ways, uh, and I and I appreciated it for that much. But yeah. Uh, that was because when they did the performances, you could tell they were really trying, even if they were awful. Uh, and the Grandia stuff, like, there's definitely moments, like I said, like we mentioned, uh, that, you know, it just it came out flat. It ruined some important moments there. Like, there's some serious moments in Grandia that kind of fell a little flat because of the performances. And that's that says a lot, you know. Shinbu is not anywhere near as dramatic as Grandia can be, I would say. So that's why I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I would probably... I'm kind of torn about it. I'll probably play in Japanese audio, but you know, part of me wants to try English just because I've got so much nostalgia for it anyway. Uh, but also, yeah, they added English and Japanese text support. Once again, weird because it's not going to be out in Japan, but that's the case. 
Also, digitally convert the game manual. I don't know why that's a bullet point because that's, you know, PS1 Classics had that all the time on PS3 anyway. Um, also, this is kind of interesting. They're using both the PS1 and the Sega Saturn source code. Uh, you can find on YouTube a comparison video between the PS1 and the Saturn versions of the game in terms of like the opening. And they're kind of different. Uh, you can tell the Saturn version's better in terms of quality. Uh, so I don't know. The like, Saturn version... Like I, I have never had a Sega Saturn, so this is basically just from you know from what I know from like what people say, like secondhand. But as far as I understand, the Saturn compared to the PlayStation One was better for like sprites and two D animation. Yes. Where the PlayStation obviously was really like all focused in on on three D models. Like that was the new fangled thing. So yeah. obviously, a game like Grandia, where everything is a, where all your characters are sprites and all the monsters you fight are sprites and there's a bunch of sprite animation, then a lot of people like that for Grandia more than the PS1 version, which was the version that was localized. So I'm not, what do you know? What was the like the Saturn PS1 first? version? Well, like they, you said they're using both source codes. Like, is there something found in the PS1 version? Like that? I don't know. That was updated. Um, I mean, I actually, use it? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, obviously I can kind of like, uh, just take a moment here and look it up. But I mean, I can at least say that, um, you know, this was definitely a sign of the times. This is what made the Saturn so difficult to program for. And that's part of the reason it failed is that, yes, Sony went all in on 3D polygonal uh, uh, polygons. And so they invested all their technology into that. Saturn, Sega in particular, they were not completely sold on it. They felt like, you know, we can do the best of both worlds. And so they had multiple processors to handle. One was to handle 2D and one was to handle 3D and all these other things. And so, that made it a real challenge because they were bottlenecked in so many different ways and so it was kind of like the cell processor it's like it's like we don't know what to do with this this is kind of challenging and the apparently the uh the uh the documentation was also pretty bad and so they uh had tough times trying to figure things out some developers did better than others like the panzer series did a great job with it um but other other companies had problems with that so uh just to look this over real quick here um Oh, yeah, of course. This is back in the times of, like, working designs and stuff like that, working on this stuff. Uh, Let me see here. Okay, support for the DualShock controller. Makes sense there. Uh, Compatible with the Japanese-only pocket station peripheral. We never got that, so I don't know why. That's a big deal. That was kind of a neat thing. It was kind of like the BMU. Um, I remember remember, uh, playing uh, Final Fantasy VIII, and they had on PC and they have like the thing that was on the pocket station that you don't get <laughs> for the chocobo. And it's really weird. Yeah. And so, okay. So this actually says there because they faced some technical problems in that there was a slight loss in frame rate and a marginal decrease in the video quality, uh, bringing it from the Saturn to the PlayStation. So yeah, bottom line, it's that the Saturn version was really good about that. So I imagine, um, they haven't, okay, once again, they have not said where they're pulling from. I imagine, uh, for the Saturn side, it'll be from the, uh, the cinematics and the, uh, uh the, the some of the you know the texture quality there and then the playstation version will probably be for like the you know everything else um but i will say if i'm not i thought that i, I heard a story i don't know where it was a long time ago i thought they had accidentally like scrapped or lost some of the source code for the game so i mean that's they, not surprising no japanese developers uh, that time yeah, yeah alex did a big thread on twitter about how why final fantasy 8 was such a challenge because this is back in the time when square Enix was scrapping a bunch of source code for their stuff uh so you know that was kind of the thing for a lot of developers and that's why it's kind of like if you look at say kingdom hearts like in final fantasy 10 uh, also in that the square Enix 
to make the remasters, they had to basically recreate the models because they lost the source code. You go back and play like the Metagross Solid HD remasters, Metagross Solid 2's opening, uh, that very amazing opening where you know Snake jumps off and uh, lands on the boat. Like That is the original video because they don't have the source code to the original one. So there's a lot of those challenges there. And you know, also he, he went into, I think I talked about this last week, but Alex went into like, you know, how the uh, Final Fantasy VII on PC, IDOS was giving pre-original release source code uh, and, and the status of that was awful. So they had a lot of trouble with that and that's why you had a lot of bugs in the, in the eventual release of that on PC. And Final Fantasy VIII also came out on PC, and that was kind of a mess too. So yep. yeah, uh, we, I'm, I'm almost certain we talked about that last week because I remember I was talking about the music. So yep. yeah, that was a, a pain in the ass. But yeah, Grandia two, uh, one and two HD remaster. Uh, they have still not said when the release dates, uh, what the release dates for this are. So we don't know when it'll be coming out, but I assume it'll just be when it's ready. Uh, so hopefully we see that sometime soon because I'd love to play. Grandia HD again, uh, Grandia in general, I should say again, not Grandia HD again because it doesn't exist. So I'm excited. Can you beat it this time. Oh my gosh, I talked about. I'm pretty sure I talked about this too, but yeah, I got yes. to the last boss. My brother uh, overwrote the save data back when you know this is back when you know the PlayStation One had like uh, a really small memory, memory card, and the, some of the games on there were way too big, like SimCity stuff, uh, the Sim stuff, you know, like they were taking up space, and so. I was on the last boss, and we lost the sa- I lost the save data, so I never actually got to beat the game. <laughs> so this was like a big thing back then. I think like another example I have is that I got to like the final area, like the final big areas of Xenogears four or five times because my brother who owned the game kept like selling his copy. He bought it again, sold the copy, bought it again, sold the copy, bought it again, lost his copy, and so I'm actually never beat Xenogears either, and that's part of the reason why. I know I could always go back and play it now, but part of me doesn't want to uh, to beat it. Although I did spoil myself on the ending because I did that big retrospective on Zeto Gears earlier this year for its 20th anniversary. So whatever. <laughs> At this point, it's not a big deal. Uh, but yeah, let's head into the last big grouping of news that we got here. And that's a lot about Sony. So uh, this past week uh, was a big week for Sony in, in some respects because for one thing, they announced that they're... Following in Nintendo's footsteps, which they so often do, uh, they announced the PlayStation Classic, which is their miniature PlayStation 1. Uh, it'll be out on December 3rd for $99. Some of the things that they talked about is that this will be uh, the size of it is 45% smaller than the original PlayStation, which that's basically the PS1, I guess, the the the, the, the miniature PS1 that came out during that time. So uh, part of me is like, that's that, that could have been cool if they just put that out again. Uh, reproduce that because then you can also use the games um and maybe throw some flash memory on there with the 20 preloaded games but whatever uh the big thing about this is just like the nes and snes classic you can hook it up to your tv with an hdmi cable um it does not come with an ac adapter but that's just like the super nintendo classic sony just assumes that you own a usb adapter which most people do so it's not a big surprise there uh, they have not said much more about that other than the fact that the two controllers that are included are the original PlayStation 1 pre-dual uh, analog sticks. So that means you'll not be getting Ape Escape, which is a damn shame, or anything else that uses the, that requires those analog sticks. Instead, all they revealed so far is that there are five games uh, out of the 20 have been shared, which include Final Fantasy VII, Jumping Flash, freaking great game, uh, R4, Ridge Racer Type 4, Tekken 3, and Wild Arms. 
So I would assume, based on that, that we'll probably see like medieval, which is getting a remaster. I totally forgot about that. Uh, you know, we'll probably have Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, uh, Gran Turismo, sure to show up there. Basically, anything that happened during maybe like the launch year, the PlayStation One. Uh, you know, maybe Siphon Filter and Cool Borders or something like that. You know, that those kind of games. Jet Moto, I think, was a PlayStation One game. But yeah, I don't know. Is uh, I actually have this preloaded, uh, uh, pre-ordered because I'm kind of curious about that. But is this does this interest you at all, Adam? It really depends on like. Right. So I have a man. I'm you own one? Sorry. Yeah, you're selling. I, ha- I I have a a PS Vita TV or P- PS TV or whatever you call it. Yeah. And and like I have a lot of the PlayStation One games that are available digitally, like downloaded onto that. Yeah. like a memory card in that already. So like if I wanted to play Final Fantasy 7 or even uh, Wild Arms, like both those games are included, like I could play those right now on my Vita TV, like literally. Yeah. So and they were like it was like 20 bucks at one point and of course you've got a library of Vita games and there's a way to actually make it so that it whitelists all Vita games instead of just a, a select number that don't use the touch screen. Uh, there's a way to like uh, unpack it so that you can actually map the touch screen stuff to your analog sticks or, or the touchpad on the PS4 controller. So there's a way to actually get around that. And so, yes, if you're on a PS uh, TV uh, or the Vita TV, as it's known in the West, uh, you probably don't need this at all. And there's ways to hack it, too, to get homebrew running and you know, all that other stuff that you want to do to it. And people, of course, argue that, you know, I've got the Raspberry Pi. Why do I need this? People said that, but at the same time, the NES and SNES Classics sold a huge amount, like more than actual, like the current consoles did at the time. So, you know, I assume it'll sell very well. I just, I'm kind of bummed out that this is probably what's going to be what Nintendo, what Sony considers to be like uh, the backwards compatibility because people are kind of hoping that, you know, eventually they would patch and support for CD-based games on the PS4, because, you know, of course, the PS4 launch, it did not have any CD-ROM support on it, so they were kind of hoping that they would, so that we could play all PS1 games, because right now, like, there's still no way to do it. There was actually a, a report that came out, like, an interview Jim Ryan from Sony Europe uh, did with uh, Time, where he said that he did not understand why anyone would want to play these old games like through backwards compatibility. The context was backwards compatibility, but he just meant generally speaking. These are old-looking games. Like I can't tell why you'd want to do that. Then they announced this, so it's kind of you know going back on his own word. But at the same time, like it also means that you know potentially we'll never see, uh, we'll never be able to play PS One games on the PS Four. Yeah. Which would be kind of nice, like all those games you talked about that you already own on the Vita TV. It'd be kind of cool if you could access that same library on your PS4, I suppose. You know, it'd be especially with all the PS4 functionality, like the share features and the streaming stuff. That's that's pretty cool to have. Um, but you won't be able to do that. You'll just have to spend a hundred bucks and get this. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Sony also announced uh, going through these backwards compatibility stuff at that. This is something that was leaked a while ago because they noticed that it showed up on, um, I think it was like an ad or something like that, or something that was data mined. I forget what. But PlayStation Now, they uh, added support so that you can now download uh, PS2 and PS4 games to play offline. Like before today, uh, the library was made up of like PS3 games, uh, a lot of it. Uh, And so. Oh, yes. Yes. So now you can. Uh, they've added PS4 and PS2 games to the service, but uh, instead of only streaming it, which PS2 games, you can only now stream them still, uh, you can also download them to your, your PS4, 
which is great. Like that's like that's a really strong way to get people to buy into this service that before now you could not do such a thing. You know, uh, I'm sure if they took away offline support for Netflix, you'd see a lot of people dropping that service. So this is a great way for people to buy into it. So um, you'll still, uh, you know, there's still a lot of the, of the the same stuff there. Like the library of games that they have right now, they have not shared like what the PS2 games are going to be. I assume it's all the ones that are on PS4 right now, which I think are about like 50, a little over 50 games. As we speak, um, and this is a gradual rollout, so if you don't have it right now available, if you already subscribed to PlayStation Now, it'll be on there very soon. Um, you don't need a PlayStation Plus membership to enjoy uh, any online multiplayer on PlayStation Now. Uh, so that'll remain the same case whether it's streaming or downloading the game. So that's a pretty good thing. You don't have to spend like two subscriptions just to do the same thing here. Uh, there's also a way to transfer save data from like the streaming side of things to the offline version. So if you just want to, you know, continue playing without an internet connection, that's totally doable. Um, but right now, it's like the typical service is that you can either uh, pay for a month, which is ten bucks, or a year, which is a hundred dollars, or PlayStation Plus members get a discount for three months, where it's thirty bucks. So I think that's just pretty good. Um, you don't have to spend all this bandwidth. People obviously have bandwidth caps. A lot of people do. And so they can't afford to stream the game all the time. Also, there was a lot of latency issues. People want to play fighting games or other Twitch-based games. Uh, they the, the, the lag between inputs was very noticeable. And so this will clearly solve a lot of those problems here. And this will also uh, support any DLC or microtransactions or add-ons that you purchased uh, or any PS4 Pro enhancements that also all work with the offline versions as well. So that's pretty good. Uh, I don't think I'll buy this only because like I kind of get most of my games through either PlayStation Plus or I buy them outright anyway. But that's a really cool feature, and it'd be kind of cool if more services had that. Uh, Adam, have you ever been interested in PlayStation Now? I mean, not really. Like the, I'm more interested in like purchasing. Same thing, kind of same thing with like the switch online like i i i yeah. have no problem like buying and playing digital games but like having to have a subscription to play them like while the subscription is active i don't know like i'm the type of person who like i i play but play old games pretty frequently like i just want to play this game you know 10 years after it released or whatever and like i don't right. like if whether it's a disc or i have it like downloaded onto my computer or to my ps4 or something i know that's not like permanent but it's still like hey i can just load it up and play it having to like oh do i have a subscription to access it right now like eh, yeah uh, that's, that's not that's quite the, exactly what i'm looking for that's, so. that, that's important because you mean you mentioned on the ps1 games you have on your vita tv but you know pretty soon i mean the store you can't even access the ps down on vita anymore so like that that might go away sometime soon you know you won't have access to like the hundreds of dollars you you would have spent or how much however much you spent to get all those games like uh, uh, ps1 or vita honestly um and and you know the the that's actually on that same note. Um, Sony announced this week that um, the Vita, the PlayStation Vita, will cease production in Japan next year. Uh, I mean, you know, that doesn't mean you still can't buy a Vita, obviously, because people are still like there's still games coming out for platforms that stop production. I mean, I think like FIFA 14 came out on the PS2, or whatever. Like, there's still ways to put games on those platforms and such. It's just that obviously it won't be. Um, the focus of the company which honestly the, for the vita that's been the case for years <laughs> for sony uh but that's still like a big shame there and i think that's like not to like you know brag about it or like you know start a fan uh, a fanboy war 
I think that's what made the what what Microsoft's doing so smart because their backwards compatibility is that so long as the publisher or whoever owns the rights gives the okay, you can use your physical copies and pop it into the Xbox and play it that way. Like if you have owned a copy of say like Lost Odyssey for the Xbox 360, a physical copy of that, you put it into your Xbox One, it uses the uh, signature uh, database for their emulator that they have in their system, and you can play it off the disc. And so you don't have to like uh, worry about buying the digital copy, even if they gave it away for free a couple years ago. Um, you don't have to worry about that leaving the service. It's like, okay, I lost that, but I still own the game, and I don't. I didn't have to pay extra money to play it this way. And so they're doing what I think is really smart for backwards compatibility. Uh, Sony has got their problems with their service. Nintendo has a history of just screwing people over that way with their virtual console, like having to rebuy the games again every time a new platform comes out, whether it's like uh, the Wii, then the Wii U, then the 3DS. You know, people have been buying the same games over and over and over again, sometimes at a higher price point than others, like when Earthbound was 10 bucks compared to the other games. So that's kind of the thing that, like, People like to be really down on Microsoft for a lot of different things. You know, a lot of it's deservedly so uh, from the stuff that they said. A lot of their uh, public messaging has been way off. Uh, But when it comes to backwards compatibility, especially at least in this generation, uh, you know, 360 uh, from Xbox to 360, that was pretty bad. Like the backwards compatibility list, I was looking at Best Buy at the time. That was a nightmare. Um, In this case, though, it's been great. And they've been kind of really pushing that message as of late for, you know, for clear reasons why with all the stuff that's been going on here. And, you know, PlayStation Now, my brother, uh, uh, the other Adam, uh, he bought into the ser- to that service, but he hated how like the latency as well, and also the problems of like losing connections and stuff like that. That was a big problem with that. The service is kind of off. Nintendo Switch Online has been having its own fair share of problems with its launch week. So, at least with Microsoft, when it comes to backwards compatibility, like I just I think they're doing a great job, and I hope that that kind of service continues uh, with the next Xbox as well. Because boy, you, at least you can say that all these ex- Xbox exclusive games like Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. Uh, you can still play them in some form on the new system. Actually, I don't know if Blue Dragon is... Actually, I, don't, I forget if Blue Dragon is actually backwards compatibility. Um, I think so. I think it might be. I know Eternal Sonata is not, which would be great if they added that because that's the better version, PS3 version, even if it had new content, was not better, <laughs> sadly. The load times and such. But yeah, any case, uh, yeah, that's just a lot of up and down news from Sony this week. Uh, but Tokyo Game Show huge uh kite has been covering the event uh as as alex uh but he's been there for his uh, for the side vg 24 7 kite's got a um uh, article coming up uh for god eater 3 which will be on the site very soon uh we just need to give it a once over and it'll be up on the site probably tonight so people can check that out but you can find that along with the other stuff we talked about on rpgsite.net where we also have reviews for uh, Adam's coverage of Metal Max Xeno and my review for CrossCode, along with all the other stuff here. we got plenty of guides to show up there as well. Uh, for Dragon Quest XI, for example. You can also find us on Twitter at RPG Site, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash RPG Site Net, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash RPG Site Net. You can find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, just search for TetraCast. You can find us on our permanent Discord link, discord.me slash RPG site. We've got a uh, Tokyo Game Show channel on there. People want to chat about the show there. Obviously, it won't be on there for much longer, but, you know, for what it's worth, it's there. And we always like to share where you can find us individually on Twitter. So where can they find you, Adam? 
K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. You can find me at Zachary. So thank you, Adam, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you all there, all out there for listening to this edition. And catch us next week for yet another episode of the TetraCast. Bye.